you're seeking biblical wisdom and understanding in these difficult and trying times, and you recognize the power of God's Word to delve deep into the issues of the heart, then welcome to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney, husband, father, counselor, author, and teacher. Join us for Christ-centered, gospel-driven truth concerning our individual, marital, and parenting struggles. This is Biblical Counseling Today. Another of Satan's methods of confusion is his manipulation of our desires. His lying nature also makes him an enticer, a spider spinning a web in order to lure us in. As sinners, we have desires that are unhealthy, unbiblical, and ungodly. As Christians, we work by the help of the Spirit to resist these desires and turn from them. But Satan knows what our sinful hearts want. He not only produces opportunities to obtain those sinful desires, but also convinces us there's nothing wrong with them. You hear his deceptive, confusing message all the time in our culture now. Things like, the heart wants what the heart wants. Or, you don't choose whom you love, you just do. Desire is now depicted as something you have no control over, something you must give into or risk even greater pain or problems. The cultural changes in how we're supposed to now see sexuality and gender are driven by this satanic view of desire. For example, if a man desires to be a woman, then he should be allowed to change gender. Or if a woman desires to be in a sexual relationship with another woman, who are you to challenge her heart desires? Of course, old-fashioned hedonism, the pursuit of pleasure, has been around forever. Satan wants us to have anything that pleases us. Even Christians fall into the trap of believing anything they have a strong desire for is something that God wants them to pursue, especially if it gives them happiness or pleasure. So it's important to recognize that Satan imitates God by offering to give you the desires of your sinful heart. He wants to entice you and lure you places that will just destroy you, even with pleasure. On the other hand, God gives us the desires of the heart that are in the context of desiring Him. When our deepest pleasure is to know God, when our deepest pleasures are with God, our desires change tremendously. Satan can tempt us to believe that God is a killjoy, that He is withholding things that we desire. He shows us the world getting all the things they desire and seemingly having a ball. Again, this is a web he weaves in order to wrap us up for the kill. But we must know that God isn't an enticer. He doesn't lure us into a trap. No, he sets us free, even free from our sinful desires. One of the desires that Satan cultivates in us is the sinful desire for comfortableness. Where God offers us comfort when we need it, Satan imitates with comfortableness when we don't need it. So let's dig down deep today into this often confusing distinction between comfortableness and comfort. Raise your hand if you don't like to be comfortable. You would be just a little bit crazy if you were happiest when you're uncomfortable. We are constantly thinking about being comfortable. 
We buy furniture like couches and chairs that are comfortable to sit in. We choose a mattress that is comfortable since we have to sleep in it every night. We make sure our shoes are comfortable and our clothes have a comfortable fit as well. Well, you get the idea. Again, you'd be a bit odd if you did not make these choices based somewhat on comfortableness. So that's not the problem we need to address. Being physically comfortable is fine, other than if you are misspending your money in any of those purchases. But the real heart problem is spiritual comfortableness or mental and emotional comfortableness. I'll define it this way. Comfortableness is striving to be free from stress, challenges, pain, and difficulty in opposition to God's work in my life. Yes, that's a pretty broad and general definition that we need to flesh out. The way we'll do that is with five different points of comparison and contrast. With these, I hope to help you see that comfortableness is an enticement from Satan, seeking to keep you from something much better. That much better is comfort, comfort that comes from God. That's what we should be seeking. And it doesn't necessarily allow us to be comfortable. So here we go with the first principle and the first contrast. Comfortableness looks for ease. Comfort comes with hard work. The classic hymn, Am I a Soldier of the Cross, has this great verse in it. Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease, while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? Scripture gives us this picture of the Christian life as a spiritual war, a battle at which we are soldiers of the cross. How does being comfortable go with the life of the soldier? It doesn't. The soldier on the front lines is never comfortable. His life is never one of ease. By definition, being comfortable means having things easy. It avoids the hard things in life, the hard work of the Christian life. Seeking a life of ease is childish and immature. It really is what children tend to look for. You may have children who cry every time something is hard or when they have to do work, when they have to do something outside of their comfort zones. We expect this from children because they are still in the process of being trained to have a good Christian work ethic. But as Christian adults, as mature Christians, seeking a life of ease is not an option. There are not two different classes of Christians, one who get to live comfortably while the others stand and fight for the kingdom. We have to be careful not to adopt the worldly mentality of seeking to work as little as possible while making as much money as possible or having as much stuff as possible. Our choice of career and calling can reflect a desire for comfortableness, which sadly keeps skilled and gifted Christians from some very important jobs in God's kingdom. I've personally seen Christian parents tell their children not to consider being a missionary or enter into full-time gospel ministry because they will not make enough money. Or in the case of the missionary, it may be a more risky sort of life. On one level, it's understandable to want to protect ourselves or our children from a potentially difficult life. But when we do this in opposition to the heart of God and against his kingdom, then we have crossed the line into comfortableness. 
Hard work and sacrifice brings with it the opportunity for God to give us true comfort. To put it another way, when we are not seeking to be comfortable with a life of ease, we may find God giving us comfort that does make things easier. Well, here's our second contrast. Comfortableness avoids pain. Comfort endures pain. Maybe this is just another way of saying the same thing. But I think it expands what we need to think about as Christians and how we're tempted towards comfortableness. As C.S. Lewis famously said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Even though we would love to have pleasure all the time, we need pain to rouse us from our slumber. So what would the lack of pain do to us as Christians? Clearly, it would be used by Satan to keep us deaf to the call of God in our lives. It will also stunt our growth as Christians, our sanctification. I see this sort of thinking in the whole boundaries philosophy of relationships that I've taught on before. When someone has been repeatedly hurt, it's tempting to erect a wall and to protect self. Like Evelyn, who was worn out from years of dealing with her sister-in-law, Katie. Katie is one of those people who tell it like it is, meaning usually very harsh and very brash. Evelyn gets her feelings hurt a lot, especially at family gatherings. One day, Evelyn had enough. She let Katie know that she was done with her. In a long email, she blasted Katie, airing grievances she has carried for years. Evelyn committed to be cordial around her when they had to be around each other, but there'd be no more real relationship. She was going to make sure Katie would never hurt her again. Now, there'd be many Christians who would applaud Evelyn's actions, saying it is unhealthy to live in a toxic relationship. Now, again, for extended discussion on this subject, listen to Season 1, Episode 11 on Relationships. But what I want to focus on here is simply the fact that deep down, Evelyn is seeking comfortableness because of her pain. She wants a comfortable relationship with a very uncomfortable person. But we have to realize that God had brought Katie into her life, and Evelyn didn't have the freedom to just cut her out. Instead of seeking comfortableness, Evelyn certainly needs comfort as she endures the pain of this relationship. Hopefully, other people can pray for her and with her, a few people who can give Evelyn good biblical counsel and encouragement. Ultimately, Evelyn has access to the comfort of God, who can strengthen her and give her wisdom on how to handle Katie, how to love her, how to confront her, how to forgive her, and how to even rebuke her at times. God calls us to endure much pain in this fallen world, To put our energy only into pain relief will distract us from his work in this world. And then here's a third contrast. Comfortableness produces anxiety and depression. Comfort produces peace and joy. One of the ways Satan confuses us is to put forth false ways to deal with our emotional struggles, especially the problems of anxiety and depression. When a person is anxious, he or she is trying to control what cannot be controlled something that only God has control of. One of the typical ways to try to gain control is by getting things in life as comfortable as possible. 
On the surface, being comfortable would seem to reduce anxiety. It certainly may in the short term. But this is a temporary band-aid, not a real solution. What will eventually happen, if comfortableness is sought, is that anxiety will build back up, even to a greater measure. The person will become anxious about losing that comfortable situation, whatever it is. Because comfortableness is quite addicting, its loss is often devastating. So people who long for comfort will fear never getting it again. In a similar way, someone who is depressed often works to get as comfortable as possible. He or she is looking for light amidst the stubborn darkness, and that seems to come with making all the hard things easier. But again, as with anxiety, comfortableness will end up extending depression, even if there is some short-term relief. When we are addicted to comfortableness, there is never enough, like any other addiction. What we need when we are anxious or depressed is the comfort that only God can give. His comfort doesn't grant instant comfortableness, but rather long-term peace and joy. Now, we'll talk more about these opposites in another podcast of peace, joy, anxiety, and depression. But what I want to encourage you with is that God gives greater comfort in our emotional struggles than we can gain on our own. His comfort gives us solution and resolution, while our comfortableness only delays and extends the problem. As always, Satan imitates and thereby confuses. His version of comfort will not give the long-term growth into holiness that we need. Now let's consider just a couple more contrasts that help us dig down deep into the difference between what Satan offers and God offers the Christian. Here's the fourth one. Comfortableness is self-focused. Comfort is God-focused. Now this should make sense and connect to what we have already talked about. Here's an example that should hit home. It certainly does with me. Eddie has a job that is very stressful. Most nights when he comes home, he is just plain worn out. He will sit at the dinner table and say very few words. When his wife asks him about his day, he claims not to want to talk about it because it will just stress him out more. Eddie's usual evening routine is to turn on the TV and watch sports or other shows late into the night. In his mind, this is giving him rest. He also enjoys a beer or two to take the edge off. Now, I may be describing millions of men or women across the country. This just sounds kind of like the modern way of life, doesn't it? Work hard, veg out, relax, get ready for the next stressful day. No, I'm not going to rail against TV watching or alcohol drinking. The point here is much deeper. There's nothing wrong with relaxation. But the problem is that Eddie's methods of getting comfortable reveal a problem of comfortableness. It is rarely about anyone else other than self. Is Eddie concerned about making his wife or children comfortable? Not really. He just believes if he doesn't get comfortable, he will explode or stress out or something. Again, comfortableness then becomes addicting. It seems like the only solution to stress that has to be repeated each and every evening. Sadly, Eddie has his eyes on self, which is never satisfying. 
Yes, he needs rest. Yes, some relaxation is beneficial. But as a Christian, Eddie has opportunity to receive comfort from the Lord. God can comfort him from his word. So why isn't Eddie opening up the Bible? Is it too uncomfortable for him? Too much work? Or how about a time of prayer? Again, too much work? Not perceived as bringing the comfort he desires? Or how about time talking with his wife or time with his children? In Eddie's head, this only brings more stress, not less. It's work, not ease. You see how he has got everything turned around and thereby has become self-focused and not God-focused. Satan loves giving us ways to help ourselves, making us independent. He wants us to believe that we are better off being alone and handling our own issues. Again, this sort of comfortableness never satisfies. And then here's a fifth contrast. Comfortableness weakens us. Comfort strengthens us. The word comfort itself has an interesting original meaning, which should make sense. It is from a Latin root that literally means to strengthen. So when you truly comfort someone else, you are offering strength in the midst of their time of weakness. When you're comforted by someone else, the end result is greater strength. Now, of course, the actual word comfortable has the same root. But I would argue that comfortableness only weakens a person rather than strengthens him. Think about what being comfortable does to us. It weakens our resolve to do anything difficult. It weakens our relationships since it only pursues easy relationships. It weakens our faith since our faith isn't tested. It weakens our character as our character has no room to grow. Just like being physically comfortable ends up weakening the body over time, being spiritually and emotionally comfortable does the same. Again, this is just how Satan confuses us. Comfortableness seems to offer strength, but that's only temporary. It just makes our faith more flabby and our courage is diminished. But God offers comfort that truly strengthens us in our heart, mind, and soul. When godly people comfort us, we lean on them and work off their strength at times. People in pain need the comfort that is from above, not some weak comfortableness that the world has to offer. There's a reason why many call this generation the snowflake generation. Partly due to the fact that our children and young people are very comfortable. They cannot take the least amount of pressure, stress, or hardship. When our children fail, we work to make them comfortable when we should really be offering godly comfort. For example, your son plays terrible in a basketball game, contributing to his team's loss. He comes home crying and your natural desire is to comfort him. What words do you say to him as you give him a big hug? Son, you really played great. Sorry you lost, but it wasn't your fault. Now, this is an act of comfortableness. It only produces confusion and weakness. He knows he played terribly. He knows it was his fault. So how about this? Son, you played poorly tonight. You had a bad game. And you definitely were part of the reason your team lost. I am so sorry. I am sad with you. Now, what does this failure lead you to do? Work harder or to give up? Now, is that too harsh? Or is it the offer of comfort that builds strength? 
Is it speaking truth in love? I think it is. You can go on to help your son get a God-centered perspective as well, rather than just stay in his self-pity. If we had time, I could talk about many situations I see where parents are just focused on making their child comfortable rather than offering true comfort. If you are a parent, I challenge you to think about your own words and habits when your child suffers. The good news is that we have a God who strengthens us with his comfort all the time. Now we have time to go over a couple more issues to complete the loop. You may be someone who doesn't have trouble with striving for comfortableness. You really do want to do the hard things in life that glorifies God. But the reality is that even when we don't pursue comfort, we can end up being too comfortable. Comfortableness has a way of just creeping in on us. In other words, we can be unaware that we have become too spiritually comfortable. So not only do we need to resist the temptation of seeking comfortableness, we must work at becoming more uncomfortable. Now that sounds fun, doesn't it? So how do we do it? Well, here are just a few ideas on becoming more uncomfortable. First, pray that God will not allow you to get too comfortable in this life. That sort of sounds like praying for patience, doesn't it? We don't like to pray for it because we know that God will answer it with trials and tribulations. But we definitely need God to discipline us with the lack of comfort. We need hardship to avoid being weakened by ease. So sincerely pray and submit to what God will do in your life as you pray for some uncomfortableness. Second, look to expand your relationships. Our temptation is to keep our relationships static, even more so as we get older. Certainly, we have our limits and can only take on so many relationships at a time, and many we are stuck with, family and other relationships. But getting out of our comfort zone includes opening our eyes to people who need us and being proactive to pursue them. And we must look for relationships that don't just make our lives easier or that will defeat the purpose. By their very nature, relationships make us uncomfortable. Third, look for more opportunities for ministry and service. We easily get in a comfortable rut when it comes to our time and how much of it we give to the church or in our communities. Service and ministry always make us somewhat uncomfortable as well, depending on what we're called to do. But do something that you haven't done before. Work in a ministry in your church that you've never tried before. Yes, I know you don't have certain gifts and skills, but sometimes you have to stretch those and try out new ones. You may just surprise yourself. Fourth, consider a new job, a new career, or a new calling. Sometimes we stay in a job because it's comfortable. In the early years of my marriage, my wife thought I was going to stay in a job that was way too comfortable for me and wasn't using my skills and gifts. Now, I certainly recognize the need to make money, provide for a family, and maybe you're too advanced in years to make that change. But I also know that there are those Christians, like I was, who are being worked on by the Holy Spirit to move to other places and callings in God's kingdom. 
It actually took me being fired to move me out of my comfort zone. God may do that in your life to move you forward to work that is less comfortable. And then fifth, commit to not make your children comfortable. Of course, if you're not becoming more uncomfortable, they will not take it very well if you're trying to make them more uncomfortable. The most obvious place to make them more uncomfortable is not give them all they want, when they want it, and how they want it, whether that be money, possessions, food, activities, etc. Now, at first blush, this may sound unloving, but they need it. And God will certainly bring hardship in their lives all by himself, so you don't have to mastermind ways to make life hard for them. Commit also to respond in ways that offer comfort instead of comfortableness. They need your love, but they need truth as well. Don't work overtime to make life easy for them or portray that it somehow should be. Educate them on the truth of how tough life is. And then finally, ask the Lord for His strength rather than simply no hardship. Our usual response to difficulty is to ask God to remove it or to remove us from it, to put out the fire. But leading a life that is uncomfortable includes a dependence on God to get us through it, not simply struggling with it independently. In other words, what we don't need to strive for is to be a a victim of our uncomfortableness, muddling through on our own. We need the strength of the Lord and the power of His Spirit. Which leads me to one other very essential point. We need to enjoy the comfort of God. Let me say that one more time. We need to enjoy the comfort of God. Listen to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 to 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with a comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. He is the God of all comfort. He is the Father of mercies. And He, our Lord God, promises to comfort us in all of our afflictions. Why will He comfort you? So you can become comfortable again? No. Paul tells us that we are comforted so that we can comfort others. Comforting others, by the way, can be pretty uncomfortable too. So why would we want to stay comfortable when we serve the God of all comfort, who comforts us in every situation? To put it another way, if you are never uncomfortable, God has no reason to comfort you. You have no need for God's comfort. Now, the cynical of you out there, sort of like me, may say, well, that's okay. I'd rather be comfortable rather than get the comfort of God. I'd like to not have to look for God's comfort uh, or the comfort of others. But you and I would be very misguided to believe this. As I've said throughout this podcast, being comfortable does some very bad things for our hearts, minds, and souls. It weakens us, makes us more anxious and depressed, and keeps us from doing the good, hard things for the kingdom of God. To not need the comfort of God is to not need God. As a loving Heavenly Father, He wants to comfort you. He wants you to look to Him for comfort rather than to just look to yourself. 
So ultimately, as we adopt Satan's methods of comfortableness, we end up rejecting the God of all true comfort, whether we realize it or not. There's your challenge for today. Learn the difference between comfortableness and comfort. Pay attention to the devil's schemes and your own sinful heart desires. Look to be uncomfortable so that you can enjoy God's comfort through it. Ultimately, keep your eyes on Jesus, who never chose spiritual comfortableness as he lived and died for you. Thank you for listening to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney. This weekly podcast is supported by Biblical Counseling and Training Ministries, which you can learn more about at bctministries.com. If you have found yourself encouraged or challenged today, please share this podcast with your church, family, and friends. Rate us on iTunes and your social media outlets. It really helps. Until next time, may you enjoy the riches of God's compassionate grace and mercy in your life.